Few interventions have successfully reduced health disparities in the United States. Poor and minority populations often live in socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods, and those neighborhood factors may have a direct effect on health. As a result, health interventions that don't account for neighborhood disadvantage may provide only limited benefit. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Amy Kind, an Associate Professor and Director of the Health Services and Care Research Program at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Dr. Kind has co-authored a perspective article about a new tool designed to improve the accessibility of neighborhood disadvantaged metrics. Dr. Kind, you write in your article that living in a disadvantaged neighborhood has been linked to higher rates of a number of illnesses and to earlier death, and that neighborhood disadvantage may influence health independently of a person's socioeconomic status. So why is that the case? This is a wonderful question, Steve. Living in a disadvantaged neighborhood triggers so many of those factors that we think of as the social determinants of health. Where you live influences how you can access food, the safety of the environment that you are interacting with every day. It may influence the quality of education you receive. It may influence the health behaviors that are promoted or made more difficult because of the environment that you're in. And perhaps most importantly, it likely directly ties to the stress levels that you experience on a day-to-day basis. There's increasing evidence that each of these social determinants of health ties in in fundamental ways into the way our body responds and results in different types of diseases, worsening factors that may promote negative health outcomes like early death, increased use of hospitals and emergency rooms, and overall our quality of life. So there have been very, very good studies that have been published that suggest that being poor itself has an impact on one's health. But independently, poor people who live in wealthier neighborhoods may have better health outcomes than their counterparts who are equally poor but who live in extremely disadvantaged neighborhoods because of these other factors. So neighborhood disadvantage is something that's increasingly of interest as health policymakers, clinicians, and researchers move forward and try to determine better ways or discover better ways to both treat health disparities, to intervene upon health disparities, and to create health policies that help improve these factors across the board. So neighborhood disadvantage has been used in the past in the design of policy and health interventions. What were the limitations of the methods that were used? the other methods that have been used relied on other metrics that used older data that needed to be updated to newer data. Also, there has been quite a bit of excellent use of county-level data, which is quite helpful, but perhaps does not allow the level of precision for certain questions to move forward that we get when we look at a neighborhood-level metric. Additionally, many of the metrics and measures of neighborhood disadvantage or other geographic measures of disadvantage have lived in the world of geospatial analytics, which is a very technical world that cannot be accessed by the average everyday clinician or patients and sometimes their families or even some of our policymakers. So although many of these metrics have existed, there were many practical barriers that limited their accessibility towards real-world application on a broad scale. As you've said, they have been applied on smaller scales, particularly in certain urban areas or perhaps in certain states, 
But when we're talking about policies on a full U.S. basis or use by average everyday citizens, it hasn't perhaps been as accessible. So you and your colleagues have made data on the Area Deprivation Index available in a tool that you're calling the Neighborhood Atlas. Tell me what goals you had going into that project and what your process was in putting the atlas together. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've been working with geographic metrics of disadvantage for a number of years, showing that the neighborhood that you live in impacts your health in important ways. And we've been very interested in the policy ramifications of these data in thinking about whether we could inform the design of policy, the design of research in such a way that it would allow us to think about the targeting of our policy resources, the calculation of performance metrics, the way we deliver care to patients in the hospital in different ways. And it became pretty clear to us that accessibility was our big hurdle. The data that's available, as I had mentioned, had been in a limited domain, and there were two major areas that made it difficult for them to access. One is just the technical nature of the data and the large data size. In order to overcome that barrier, we worked with geography colleagues here at the University of Wisconsin to create an interface, as you said, called the Neighborhood Atlas. This is a completely free interface that allows users to visualize neighborhood disadvantage in a heat map format where the most disadvantaged neighborhoods are in red, the least disadvantaged are in blue, with a color scale in between. But it allows for real-time customized mapping at a local, city, state, or national level. It allows users to rank neighborhoods in their area of interest, and it allows them to enter individual addresses to look at the neighborhood disadvantage around a particular point of interest. This tool might particularly be important for clinicians who are caring for patients coming to them, and perhaps these patients are traveling from great distances, as they often do to some of the hospitals that provide specialty services. And it will allow our clinical teams to think more broadly about those social determinants of health that these patients may be living in and interacting in and recovering in after the interventions that have been performed with them in the hospital. But the most important thing about this mapping interface is that an advanced degree is not required to use this information. Most of us use popular smartphone navigation apps in our daily lives, and this interface operates in much of the same way. So it's intuitive, and it's something that we hope will increase accessibility, increase use, and perhaps bring together new partners that don't necessarily always sit around the same tables, our social service personnel, our community partners, our health policy partners, and perhaps our industry partners within a community towards a common shared goal of trying to improve the status of the neighborhoods that they interact with. Additionally, from a research standpoint, one of the other big barriers for the use of this information has been that you often require something called a geolinked sample, which is a hard thing to get. You typically need a full address to do these geolinking parameters. But in addition to this mapping, we spent quite a bit of time to create an extensive zip code linked crosswalk of over 69 million zip codes across the United States, these nine-digit zip codes. So for any researcher or clinical personnel that's interested in linking the full national data set to their data, they can do this. 
this creates new opportunities around the area of even the basic biosciences. When you think about cancer rates or fundamental biologies of Alzheimer's disease, one can take samples that are already created and perhaps use the zip code link to those samples to add this lens of the social determinants of health to learn more about the basic sociobiological mechanisms of disease. Also, it links very easily to claims data, any existing claims data, Medicare data, Medicaid data, state health data, insurance data. Most of them do have these zip-based markers. They may not be geocoded for privacy concerns, but they do have zip codes for most cases. And again, these data could be linked in to give an additional understanding of how social determinants of health are impacting the populations that these programs care for. So what's the uptake been? Do you see it increasing the motivation to intervene in areas such as housing quality, transportation, other issues that relate to neighborhood disadvantage? Has has that begun to happen? Yes, that is definitely part of our vision, is to give a new tool to bring partners together to more effectively deliver care, design programs, and to create new therapies towards these populations. For instance, if you have a diabetes outreach program and this program focuses on education to try to improve the outcomes of patients with diabetes, but the population you're caring for has substandard housing and does not have consistent refrigeration for their insulin, really all the education in the world may not be enough if one does not address those social determinants of health. And so giving this additional tool can allow users to have a more nuanced and hopefully effective approach towards addressing some of these fundamental factors of health disparities. One example of this has been we have worked, as we've been developing these data and developing these tools, we have worked closely with certain partners within the U.S. federal government, within certain state public health agencies, and with some academic partners to inform care delivery and some of the understanding for how health systems are performing. For instance, one of the national disparities reduction programs uh, focused on diabetes is the Everyone with Diabetes Counts program through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. That program is currently using ATLAS data, this neighborhood ATLAS data, to inform their ground-level operations and strategies for more efficiently reaching disadvantaged populations. When you start thinking about outreach on a geographic basis instead of just on an individual basis, sometimes it may allow you to reach the populations in greatest need or give you new ways to think about reaching out to communities as a whole instead of just individuals. For instance, thinking about partnerships amongst, if you can visualize this neighborhood disadvantage and then find partners that operate specifically within that geographic area, that may allow for new strategies that can be designed to bring different programs to the patients and families that need them most. Additionally, I think it's very interesting that when we look at the locations of the most disadvantaged neighborhoods within the United States, they certainly are within inner city populations. That is absolutely clear. It is an area of our country that has suffered from these challenges of neighborhood disadvantage for a long, long time, these challenges of social determinants of health. But equally so, some of the other most disadvantaged neighborhoods within our country are the rural areas. 
And it's interesting when you think about this pattern of disadvantage across the United States and the way that often we think of these different populations, these extremely rural or these inner city urban populations as perhaps very different, but in many ways they may have some commonalities around these social determinants of health. And we're also hopeful that given this, that hopefully we can catalyze some efforts that reach across the aisle and result in new partnerships at the federal level in thinking about things like risk adjustment strategies, financial incentives towards care, payment reform, or even infrastructure targeting and benefits decisions that could be catalyzed in new ways using data of this sort. We certainly are in desperate need for new programs, new approaches to help improve the care and the health of our full U.S. population. And hopefully this tool gives us a first step in that regard. All of the data, all of the mapping, everything that's on the web that we make available through the Neighborhood Atlas is completely free. We would like people to use this. We would like them to incorporate it in their daily operations, and hopefully it will catalyze new efforts to improve the health of our society. So finally, as those efforts are being undertaken, how can individual physicians consider these factors related to neighborhood disadvantage in the course of their clinical care? Yes, I think that's an excellent question. At least when I went through my medical training, social determinants of health perhaps were not a focus, although they were an ever-present entity for sure. We desperately need our physicians to stand up and take a leadership role in advocating for approaches that are comprehensive in improving health in our society. And we can't do that without taking into account these social determinants of health. We as physicians in the United States have opportunity, we have influence, and I think we can't have a platform through which we can convince other important stakeholders around us to start considering these factors along with the other traditional biomedical factors that are often much more commonly talked about within our field. Certainly, the development of new drugs, the development of new technology is critically important. But if we have entire swaths of our population in the United States that could never access these things, that are struggling to even take care of some of their basic fundamental health needs because of poverty, because of poor housing, lack of employment, that they're unable to get their basic health needs met, we do them a major disservice by not considering the social determinants of health along with these other more technologically focused factors. As far as an individual clinician, if you are taking care of a patient in front of you, you can just type in the web address for the Neighborhood Atlas, which is www.neighborhoodatlas.medicine.wisc.edu, and enter the address for the patient in front of you to get a sense of how disadvantaged the area is that this patient comes from. And perhaps this technology can be incorporated into electronic medical records. Perhaps it can be incorporated into automatic flags that pop up on patients' charts just to trigger additional discussions. Certainly, uh, just because someone lives in a rich area or lives in a poor area doesn't mean that they necessarily carry those characteristics with them. But hopefully it is something that can be a trigger for a discussion or a trigger for additional thought around the way we deliver healthcare, the types of medicines that are being prescribed, the types of surgical considerations pre and post-op that need to be put into place. 
as I mentioned, too often the social determinants of health are hidden within our health delivery system. So hopefully this will increase awareness of the importance of these factors. Thank you, Dr. Kind.